I'm Jolie, your branding badass, and welcome to Branding Matters, a podcast I created and host to help you create brand equity. My guest today is Susie York, the founder and CEO of Love Good Fats, the number one top-growing company in Canada in 2021 in Globe and Mail Report on Business. A former triathlete, Susie created this delicious line of snacks so North Americans could eat and enjoy good fats on the go. And in just over three years, her rocket ship food startup exceeded, are you ready for this? $100 million in revenue. I invited Susie to be a guest on my show today to talk about her mission. I wanted to learn why a single mom with a well-paying career took such a huge risk at the age of 50, I might add, to launch her own brand. And I was curious to hear Susie's story about her new venture and what her plans are for the future. Branding Matters is brought to you by Genumark, one of North America's most trusted branded merch makers for over 40 years. Did you know branded merchandise is one of the best ways to create brand awareness? It's true. Whether with your team or your fans, there's no better way to show your appreciation, connect with your audience, and build community than by combining thoughtful design with great products that tell your brand story. When you partner with Genumark, you get more. More personalized service, more creativity, more innovative solutions, and more importantly, You get it all from a talented team of branding experts who have the experience and know-how to make your job easier and more fun. From promotional products, custom uniforms and clothing, to sports co-branding, web stores and warehousing, Genumark makes it happen. And being ISO certified, you can rest assured knowing ethical sourcing and sustainability are front and center. Genumark is big enough to matter, but small enough to care. So if you're looking for the right partner to help you create brand awareness, email brandingmatters at genumark.com. That's brandingmatters at G-E-N-U-M-A-R-K.com. And now on with our show. Susie, welcome to Branding Matters. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm really excited to have you here. You have been on a whirlwind for the last few years, I think, if not longer. So thank you for taking the time out of your crazy busy day. So back in 2021, you were ranked the number one top growing company in Canada in 2021. Is that correct? Yes, Globe and Mail did uh, did their annual top growing companies, uh, so for uh, private companies. And then because of COVID, they did a three-year. So when you looked at our three-year numbers, we outranked every that's, other. That's amazing. So first of all, congratulations on that. And that, full disclosure, that's actually how I discovered you when I read that and saw that you were number one. I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. I have to have her on. And then when I found out that you started it when you were 50, I was even more impressed because I, I'm a late bloomer myself and, you know, started over at 48 and started this podcast when I was 50. So I had so much admiration for you. So I really appreciate you being here. And I'm so excited for you. So can you tell me a little bit about Love Good Fats? Yeah, I think the story is very similar to a lot of a lot of startups where, you know, the founder has a personal experience. So in my case, I've been struggling with a low fat uh, diet for 20 years, and I hit my mid 40s, and that wasn't working. But we all thought, you know, we were being really good by cutting out fats. 
And then I read a book and it said, you know, we've all been duped for 40 years. Good fats are good. And sure, there's, you know, fried fats that aren't good, but uh, there's a lot. The fats are not only good, but they're essential. Sugar is not essential and was the culprit in that one study that prompted uh, Ansel Keys and the American Heart Association in the 60s to go on national TV and repeatedly say, you know, move to margarine and uh, avoid saturated fats because they cause cardiovascular and all of that misinformation. So that was enough for me to say, okay, well, you know, what I've been doing is not working. So I switched to entirely cut out sugar finally. And I was able to do it this time because I started eating fats. And like the 20 times before that I tried to reduce, ah, this week I'll reduce my sugar I would always kind of come back because your body's craving the essential fatty acids and we know your brain is fueled by fat. So it just all worked. So it was pretty easy. As soon as I started, I coconut oil in the morning. There's a bunch of Alzheimer's studies that are doing that now, but I just literally started like four years ago, coconut oil, in my coffee. You know, I used to have skim milk for 20 years. And that's how it started. And but I didn't have. I'm guilty. Day. I have to say, yeah. I'm a skim milk yeah. person. So yeah, now you're like, making yeah, me question it forever, ever. And um, but you know, I wasn't. My body wasn't getting the fat, so I wasn't processing nutrition the same way. And then I was mid 40s. I took a job in Vancouver. I was getting up at 3 a.m. on Tuesdays, coming back at midnight. I had my two kids just on that weekend. It just wasn't working. But fundamentally, I didn't have. So the right sorry, diet. I guess. I'm going to stop you right there. So to, when you say it wasn't working, what do you mean by that wasn't like, working? Like My body, like I was mid-40s and I was running out of energy. I had to get uh, on prescription medication. I was on two prescribed pills, one for blood pressure and one for IBS. Oh, wow. And you're able, fit. Like you're an athlete, yeah. right? I was. I had amazing. You know, done 11 Ironmans. Uh, I did the last one like two years before this. I was doing yoga daily, hot yoga. Yes. So, but it's just so my doctor was like, well, you know, with doing the right diet. So it must you're exercising. Check, check. So it must be genetic. But it was diet. Like as hmm. soon as I change my diet to nearly eliminate sugar and watch carbs. I had to get off. And then I did a tiny bit of intermittent fasting and basically skipping breakfast. Now there's a new fancy name for that. And my blood pressure tanked. I had to get off the meds. My doctor was like, nope, you know, okay, good. Stick with that diet. So for me, it was pretty shocking you know, you read a book, you've experienced your own thing that worked and not works. So I did dash and every other diet. I did elimination of everything to really just realize that for me, what made more sense is a, a higher fat, medium protein, but really cut sugar out. Okay. So, so then you read this book. Can you share, say what the book was called? Yeah. The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz. Okay. And so you read this book and then you decided to start a company. (laughs) So tell me about that. And what were you doing before as far as your work goes before you decided to start the company? So my last VP of marketing CMO job, I kind of left the full-time world and I reluctantly, I kind of said, well, I'll do consulting for now. I was, uh, I guess, a fractional marketer, they would call it. I had four retained contracts where I was their mini VP of marketing. So all in the natural space. 
And it was literally, you know, every morning I would wake up and I'm like, I'm not a consultant. I'm not a consultant, right? Like, you know, I'm just doing this in the meantime. But I think that was part of like my inner voice had been telling me for 35 years that one day I want to start a company. So now my inner voice was making absolutely sure that I wasn't going to get too cozy in just doing consulting, which, you know, I was really good at because I'm very multitask and having more than one brand at the same time is perfect for me. I get a little bit restless if you don't have quite enough to do. So it was just perfect, but it was, I was just waiting for the idea. Oh, I'm now waiting for the idea. But then suddenly I want to launch a fats brand, the brand that's going to make fats legitimate. Chobani made protein legitimate through the yogurt and Atkins made. And was there anything out there when you, so when you decide to do this, I mean, is that what was impetus because you couldn't find what you wanted? Yeah. Well, and I was a bit nervous because like being first to market is a pretty big deal. There's a bunch of brands, this type of water, this type of plant-based something. There's butters, there's hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of brands at one point. And then you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty harder market. So I did want to have a bit of a first to market advantage. And I was excited. You know, there was a fat cream it was called fat something. And that's it. And so there was no nothing in food, but already in 2016, the trends were there. You could see all meat products, all high fat yogurts, all butters, like all really natural good products, olive oils, butters, meat, everything was like, you could see that it was prepping. So then I kind of rushed back. I wrote the concept, the way to come up with a brand and is what was paying the bills before this is how to come up with a brand. So you write a concept and then you can have a brief. Once you have the concept, you can write your brand positioning, your brief, your packaging brief, and then your marketing brief. For And you knew how to do all that already yeah. from your past yeah. experience. So, okay. so I'd been kind of coaching people would hire me to say, oh, my brand's not kind of working. What do we do? Or I want to launch a new brand. How do we do that? Well, you hire a marketer. So that was my career of knowing how to build or rebuild, rebrand brands that have stagnated, for example, or declining. So I knew how to do all that, but I'd never done it, you know, with my own money for my own, you know. Right. It's totally a different experience all of a sudden. And why? And so why chocolate? So from a strategy perspective, again, it's kind of the same thing you do in the larger companies, right? You kind of have a positioning idea and then you have to figure out the channels and the categories. So approaching it pretty much the same way, like what's the best way to have a brand that would have multiple SKUs that would basically fat, say fats are good and they would taste really good because we all know that fats makes food taste good. Uh, you remove the fats and you have to add sugar so they taste good. And another Hey, hold way- on. I got to stop you right there. So you're saying you can have fats and remove the sugar and it tastes good. Yeah. Oh, it tastes phenomenal. Like that, so is there no why, sugar? Yeah. So that's the whole magic is okay. if you put fats in, like fats play an incredible role in your mouth and connecting with your brain. Like they send all of these signals and they trigger all of these reactions. Fats make stuff taste good. Our grandparents all know that, right? Hey, du bon gras, ça goûte dans bon, right? The- ah, le français. You know, my son, it's funny, he's a budding chef and he always, he puts butter on everything and he says, yeah. butter makes it yeah. better, yeah. you know? And, Absolutely. Yeah. Like we grew up knowing that and then olive oil make things better. Like, yeah. uh, so 
the issue is that desserts have all of the good fats of a bunch of fats, but they also have sugar and carbs. And the whole idea behind the low carb diet, which is Atkins, and then the keto diet, ketogenic diet, is to really eliminate your carbs. But more importantly, just try to eliminate sugar, but then boost your fats and keep your protein moderate. Excess protein converts to sugar in your liver anyway. So if you have more than whatever grams per okay. your weight, it's just too much. So your liver says, okay, well, here's converted as sugar instead. So you decide to launch it, you decide to make it specifically this category because yes. you felt that there was a need in this category. So you launched, came up with the name Love Good Fast, which is a great name. I love the name. So were you nervous? I mean, even though you had all this experience, I mean, you were, 50, again, you're 50 years old, not to keep drilling <laughs> yes. the age, but, you know, I, I know, like, as you get older, it's, it's harder to take risks, right? Yes. When people are starting over. So here you were, you had this great career, and now all of a sudden you did this. Were you, tell me about, like, that experience. Yes. Were you scared? Were you getting support from friends and family? People tell you you're crazy or tell me about that experience. For me, it kind of worked out really well. I had been single. I'd been single mom for 10 years. So I was kind of paying down the mortgage. My daughter had a learning disability. So she was in a private school to get help, plus some some coaching on top of that. So financially, it wasn't, it was a little, a little bit tighter. So I you know, I, I had some expenses that yeah. are they're higher than I wanted. Um, mom here too. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But you know, the one of the pieces of advice I give to a lot of founders, and it's the same that I followed is, you know, I kind of worked out with my daughter, Nikki was 18 at that time. And, you know, she kind of said the wisest words like, mommy, what's the worst that can happen? We can sell the house and live in an apartment, right? For XX, right? So she had, like, I grew up in an apartment, shared a bedroom with my mom for 13 years, et cetera, right? And, and I've never been that motivated by money. So I think, like, for me, having that conversation, and that just kind of gave me permission. Like, a lot for me has come from my inner voice, whether I connected through yoga or whatever. Like, all of the right things have happened to me at the right time in my life because of my inner voice. Cases. Like intuition. You have this yeah. intuition? Yeah. It's like, so I knew there was an opportunity for a brand. I knew it was now time, you know, practically speaking, Nikki kind of brought my inner voice and said, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? So then I did what all founders do, right? You have a little bit of a game plan. I'm going to start by doing this. I'm going to spend this amount of money. So you kind of know that, Ooh, wait, you know, I'm going to give it six months and a hundred thousand say, right? Like you, you kind of frame it and then you say, okay, but step one, do we have a big idea? So then I spent all the first amount of money on the consumer research and the packaging and the name. So then I had a PowerPoint deck that I recommend to all founders to do. I did a training session on founders helping founders. In your PowerPoint deck, what's your insight and your enemy? So the problem you're solving and what's boom, here's I'm solving it with your packaging. I love and that. And then show that. Yeah. yeah. And then you show it. And then I I think I must have met initially 200 people like sequentially where, hey, you know, I'm looking for contract work because I was still doing, trying to pay a bit of bills part time. Oh, but by the way, I have this idea I want to launch. Everyone wanted to talk about the idea. Everybody. Oh, that's great. My meetings. Yeah. Like it was so energizing. Like so I you had was, nobody say to you, yeah. like, Susie, you're crazy. What are you doing? There's so no. many chocolate bars out like, there. There's so many protein no. or whatever. No. Oh, I had one person out of 200 uh, kind of say, nope, like, don't take your savings. Don't do this. Uh, and he was an entrepreneur. And okay. it's funny because we reconnected last year. And I said, you're the only one. <laughs> 
And you're like, told you so. So, but that was really encouraging. And I encourage all founders to do the same. Like if you walk around with your little deck, right, your brand positioning, this is the insight and problem I'm solving. This is how I'm solving it. Then this is why you should believe me. So insight, benefit, reasons to believe. And oh, by the way, this is my tagline. This is my packaging. You just walk around with that and you'll get a lot of really good insight. And the good ideas everyone reacts immediately. You know, I, I'm meeting all these founders now. They show me their product. Like right away, you know, right? Wow, like that's a really good idea. So you can, as being the core of the brand, you shop it around, A, you get valuable feedback and it really gives you the confidence. So I, those are the plans I kind of had, right? I had family that was supportive. I had saved some money from the consulting. I could take a risk for a couple of years. I felt I was still young enough, like worst case, I go back and slug out a, a marketing job. So it's the worst me, that could happen. Yeah. And it all kind of worked. I worked really, the last little piece of advice is worth sharing is I had worked really, really hard to find a partner. So I had kind of interviewed four or five potential partners because like I didn't feel secure just doing this by myself, like in my head, like we needed a partnership. And it's funny because all the senior people I asked for advice all told me, don't do a part, don't find a partner because hmm. it, it's hard. Right. Yeah. Um. So I didn't find it. Like we didn't, couldn't find someone who also wanted to do this full time and with complementary skills. So I went out by my own. That worked out really, really well. I was still very envious and everyone's a little bit different, but to me, I prefer the, t- the team approach, all my all my testing that I've done through my large companies, you yeah. know, always kind of said collaboration. Like I, even in my leadership positions, I wanted to be surrounded so I can get a lot of input, gather data mm. and then make the best decision. So one thing that you said that really stuck out is, you know, there's so many great ideas and it's funny because I hear so many times and you, you know, you come across people all the time where they have so many great ideas, but I think not people don't execute them. And that's the, yeah. that's the difference between when you see all these startups is like people always talk about, Oh, I should do this or I should do that or start a business. But then to actually take it and execute it and do what you said is go around and with this deck and talk to everybody, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the leap that I yeah. think holds a lot of people back. Do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. And the second leap. So my advice is leap, but the second leap is actually selling it, like sell your first unit. And often, you know, you can be stuck in theory land, which I was, I needed the nudge out of theory. I have this idea to like, oh, wait a minute. Now, you know, I'm committing to a launch date. I'm finding suppliers. I want to sell this stuff. That's the second little push that often founders need to to just get over the line because they kind of stop at the concept and then, oh, it's kind of hard, but then you have to start spending money. So get to that next step also, and then you're off to the races. Yeah. Once you start selling, it just will flow out. That's where you that. have to persevere, right? If you believe yeah. in yourself. And, and you know what? Ultimately, when you say selling, it's selling yourself because that's yeah. what people are buying into, right? You always yeah. talk, people talk about the brand and relationships. And so do you remember that when you got that first big order that put you over the edge? Like, tell me about that oh. experience. Cause I mean, here you are, you're working hard. You started this new idea. You're going around. What was the tipping point for you? It was so the first three or four years at Love Good Fats before COVID, like COVID really kind of wrecked oh, yeah. things so awful, but yeah. 
man, these were the best years of my life. Like was, <laughs> every week I was like, it doesn't get any better than this. You're so yeah. passionate about it. Even talking about it, I can just see you're so excited. I love it. It was so much fun. And it was fun amidst, you know, about a year into having launched, we had more problems than fun stuff every day. So I would come to work and there'd be like oh, yeah. 10 new surprises. And it was like, oh, okay, you know, and I'm a planner and the whole idea is you get ahead. So you don't have, you know, that awful quadrant of urgent, not important stuff. So I did get to that really kind of brutal, like, okay, we don't have the foundation and we're just like solving all day long. But everything was pretty amazing. The first PO was received for under $5,000 by both UNFI and Purity in August of 17. How long were yeah. you into your business when that first $5,000 PO? I hadn't came? sold anything. So okay. we were just... Your I first PO was $5,000. Yeah. So and then... Oh, and then within uh, within twelve months, we were a million a month. That's amazing! A a oh month. my and god, this is this is food products, right? So you don't have you can have some crazy numbers in other sections, a- but and then within twenty four months, we had like three two months at seven million dollars a month. Did you just so, like pinch but, yourself and go yeah. like, is this really happening? Yeah. I remember, I remember like the first POs were like unbelievable because now there's like five. And then I was counting the boxes and I, <laughs> I, I, I lived at next in Leaside to the Whole Foods. So I was literally going to the Whole Foods on my bike every day. And then I would count how many had sold. So wow. there's four boxes on the shelf and then I would go, okay, well, because the idea is, you know, that if you're selling uh, 12 bars per week per store, like on in natural you know that you're selling really well. So that's what you do the first couple of months. And then the little store buyer at Whole Foods bought 60 boxes and she put them above the hot food tray. And then I was so scared. Hot food tray. Yeah, but it was it was okay. They didn't melt. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, and then, okay. I know, just the end melt. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, 60 boxes, that's going to take like eight months to sell. Like, oh no, right? Within 30 days, they had sold down. So then I kept reporting back to the boards saying, whoa, like the, like if, you know, and I would go to all of the whole foods that I could drive to and I would be counting the boxes and I was like, oh, wait a minute, like this is really going well. And then I got to the downtown whole foods on October 16. And then as soon as the manager heard I was in the store, he came to get me and he's like, Susie, Susie. And he said, come see, your bars are selling really well. And I'm Amazing. like, oh, okay, how well are they selling? They're my number one and number two best selling. And I'm like, off your 500 bars? And he said, yes. And I was like, Amazing. whoa. He walks me to the shelf and he's like, I said, well, who is your who was your best seller before? So he tells me the two, uh, the brand that was selling better just before. And he said, you're beating them by 50%. I've never seen that. I'm like, what? So that's when I'm calling my board members on the way back. So right that hour, we made a decision to to spend another 100000 and launch two more flavors. So I took, you know, I only had 200 in the bank. I made a decision, we'll take 100 to make two more flavors. I had already decided and had the formulas for the flavors and had mock-ups. So I literally called the plant, cut the PO the next day. Then we said, okay, well, we need to raise another 200000 We raised two fifty. Then was January, and then it was just the beginning of the races because That's, the the large broker took us on, Walmart took us on. Like then it just it just exploded. exploded. I love that. I love that story. Little and steps, little steps. 
I know, but that's amazing. But here's something I want to talk about because that is such a fantastic story. And this is really ties into the whole concept of brand and, you know, how important it is to have a strong brand. Because let's be honest, they're not the cheapest bars out there. There's a like I, I went to Walmart and I saw them and I bought them. But you know what? When you put so much into creating a brand and adding the value and everything that you've done, then and the quality and everything that you put into it. Price isn't even on the table, right? People will just buy it. And clearly that's because even though yours was the number one selling, I guarantee you, correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't the most least expensive. No, right? no, we're, and it's I think, like a premium bar. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's so important because, you know, we're living in a time right now and with everything that's going on and people talk about pricing and commodity and everything else. And it's like, this is where, this is why I'm so passionate about branding because this is where having a strong brand and creating a strong brand and putting all into it is going to pay off. And then people will, they always say, you know, people don't buy brands, they buy into brands and they buy yeah. into everything that you offer. So I think that's such a great story and it really just solidifies things that I share a lot all the time when I bring guests on and they talk about that. So kudos to you. And a small little addition on the brand, like our bars are tiny, right? I launched the smallest bar you could buy, which is 39 grams. So I went at a high price with the smallest bar. Um, so that's the whole, you know, position. Why small? Why? Just like we, the, they were too expensive. Like oh, I'm okay. replacing sugar, which is yeah. pennies per pound with yeah. fats, which is like a hundred times more expensive and more. So, um, but the consumer got it right. Like the consumer yeah. clued in, like she would try the bars and then you feel really full. So even though there's some consumers would be like, oh man, I only get this smaller bar, but then you eat the bar. Like I could never eat an entire bar, only half because I yeah. feel too full. So it was super cool. Right? It reminds you to go back to positioning, the three Ps, positioning, product, and then price value because they're connected. So yeah. we were brave to be able to go at a premium price at $299, $249.99, with a smaller, the smallest bar on the market, but the product delivered on the promise of yeah. A, delicious, and B, you'll feel fuller longer because you're eating good fats. Yeah, yeah, you're not just eating sugar that you you get a crash and you burn. Well, and fats satiate your hunger longer, right? Like that's the yeah. whole thing about them is that yeah. you can have yeah. them and then you stay, you, you, yeah. you're not hungry for a longer period of time. So yeah. I love that story. That's so great. Okay, so I know you're chomping at the bit to share what's going on now. So why did you, you're at the top of your career, you're super successful. What made you decide to say, okay, on to the next? Well, things again happen. Uh, sometimes you're not sure why things are happening. You're thinking, <laughs> this is not really good, but then kind of stay with it. There's like a master plan out there for us. The It just kind of worked out. I was CEO and uh, on the board and uh, the largest shareholder of Love Good Fats. But then, you know, I've been there for five years and kind of we're working through like what makes the most sense through after COVID and then to take the brand to a hundred million a year and then all the good things that happen once you get your brand to 100 million a year. And it made sense to just kind of hire a professional CEO that has done this before. Like many founders, your roles can shift. So, you know, we worked through that. That took the eight or nine months. So I was kind of, so now I still have the board role and that's actually pretty busy and there's committees and stuff. But then I kind of really don't have a full-time job. So uh, I was starting to kind of figure out, okay, well, I did some consulting back for an old boss. And then another old boss called me with something else. And I was doing consulting. 
But there is this idea that I kind of bumped into when I was at Love Good Fats and they passed on it. The, they were thinking, no, no, like you can go play in that sandbox, but that's a lot of work. It's in vitamins, right? Chocolate fortified or vitamins in a chocolate format or chocolate fortified with vitamins. So I was like, oh, okay, well. Did someone that's... present that to you? Like, did someone yeah. come to you and say, hey, here's an idea? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the Love Good Fast has just launched Thins chocolates. They're Ecuadorian little disc and they're little kind of bites of pure dark chocolate with flavoring on top. That was one of my innovations that while I was CEO and then I was transitioning, I brought that innovation and then the team executed. The supplier who's providing these awesome little bites of heaven said, hey, I have this whole other idea and I have these products here and I'm looking for a partner because we want to launch a premium brand instead of just private label because they do private label for a bunch of really good retailers and brands. So I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I'm a marketer. You have a product. You're looking to have both because they had tried to launch a brand, but without having like a marketer like myself, it's hard. So their brand wasn't working. So they knew they needed like a me. I was like, okay, well, I know how to launch brands. I didn't think I would ever do another one because like I couldn't, how can I top, right? Love good fats. Like how can I come up with a better or equally as good idea? Right. Yeah. Lightning strikes once. Yeah. How, yeah. I, I know. It just, so, <laughs> there's not a lot, like there's some founders and who that have done a second brand, but not a lot. Like the, all the big brands that you hear of, the founder, didn't wind up doing another one, but I was like, oh, okay, well, my first one hasn't exited. So I don't have the luxury of retiring. So I really started exploring this. And as soon as I started exploring this, my my partner, my my fiance said, I know you said you'll never do another startup, but you have to reconsider. Wow. Like it, it was just, everything was just adding up, right? Like you're just dabbling into it. And then you're like, oh, but it's the Chocolate is from Ecuador and Ecuador has the best cacao beans in the world. Most people know that, but a lot of North Americans don't know that. You, okay, we source it from these NGOs. Oh, okay. And then the list started going up and then there's zero gram of sugar. Look how good they taste. Taken four years to figure out how to infuse, uh, infuse this, the adaptogens and the vitamins without wrecking the taste. What is the name of your new brand now, the yeah. new business? So the new company is The Better Chocolates. The brand name is uh, 4X Better Chocolates. Uh, 4X Better Chocolates. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's a vitamin-infused chocolate. Yeah. Why vitamins? And, and tell me a little bit more about that. Because again, you're looking at an industry that is so saturated, right? Like there's so many supplements and vitamins. And I'm just curious what, what made you decide to go in that direction? Same exact. Like when I launched into bars, it was like, oh, but there's so many bars and bars are so hard. And then, you I, you know, I would just remind everybody, you just need the right bar, right? You look at RX bar and you look at Quest bars and you look at Kind. Once you have something different and unique, you can break through in these busy cluttered categories. It's the same for vitamins. You know, bars is about five or six billion dollars. Vitamin is 50 in the US. So it's a much, much larger category. And right now there's everybody and their brother and their cousins launching gummy vitamins because a lot of consumers don't like to take pills, including myself. But no one has really thought about a pure chocolate as a format. So 
there's been some dabbles. There's compound chocolate, depending where you live. There's some brands that have some sort of chews and stuff, but nothing in a big way. And certainly not mm. a pure chocolate where you only have like the good fats of the cacao butters and we've added MCT oil. So now you're taking something that will allow your fat-soluble vitamins to be absorbed. Because with vitamins, you probably remember your mom saying, take them with food because yeah, yeah. they don't get absorbed. Well, yeah. now you don't need to take your chocolate vitamins with food because oh, they have right. the fats so you can they'll just naturally be absorbed. So you can actually feel good about eating yeah. chocolate, right? Yeah. So how would you describe your new brand and what's your purpose? Like what's your purpose other than financial? At the end of the day, whether you're running a charity or your small company, you have to pay a little bit of attention of how am I going to make sure that it's sustainable so I can pay the bills, pay the employees and all that. The huge exciting part of having my own company the first time and now is that, you know, you get to choose like who you're going to be, what you're going to stand for, what you're going to support. The first company and now definitely LGBT. I'm a lesbian mom and I want to scream loud and proud about uh, encouraging and modeling one of the few women founders that's gay. And it's like, it's just, there's less role models. So I definitely push that message. I went to every retailer in Canada myself in 2019 to say I had this, come up with this idea and I would welcome support from all of the retailers in June to do uh, displays in stores, either, you know, floor stands or PDQs, like just displays in the front of the store with our theme, love is love and the pride flag and a dollar that goes to LGBT charity that we were supporting Rainbow Railroad. So, so we're doing, I'll do kind of the same thing. You know, we're getting certification for LGBT. We're getting certification for women. We're supporting the NGOs in, in a big way without the NGOs in Ecuador, uh, we wouldn't be able to get the cacao beans we have. And then it, then you just settle for less. So we're definitely those two groups are a big, big deal and a big chunk of our marketing and our investments goes mm -hmm. there first. And then making sure that, you know, our employees feel proud to celebrate that we value diversity. And, and that's the, you know, a message that we're very vocal about. I choose yeah. to use my voice to kind of call that out. And the retailers are all starting to jump on board. Jump so. on board. That's great. You know, you hear a lot these days about purpose washing, right? Yep. You hear a lot of companies hop on board and they're supporting the, like the cause du jour or whatever. So I love when companies like yourself, actually have experience and have a real passion from it from a personal level so you know that it's really means something to you and that you you know just as much as your passion about your business your passion about the cause and about your purpose that you're trying to help others and give back and do everything that you're doing from a real genuine authentic self before we go for someone out there who might be listening who has started a business or is thinking of starting a business do you have any advice that you would share with them yeah, two quick things. One is, you know, sweat your positioning, do all of the work on, you know, what is your brand, your brand name and the difference and the packaging and all that before you go to market. And if it's not working, then you have to go back and revisit. But the positioning is really, really key. So the more time you spend on optimizing your positioning, uh, the better. That's my doggy. And the second thing is with WeChat, it start, just start, like sell that first box, sell that first pouch, you know, just get out there and start and then learn. So it's really is this iterative, but the, the core of 
solving everything is your brand positioning. So the more you can make that relevant and meaningful, the more your sales will be higher and then everything flows from there. Well, that's really great advice. I do want to ask you though, so how would someone who knows nothing, like when you say find your brand positioning, do you, how do you even find your brand positioning? So you write, you write it down, you write down, what is the insight? What is the benefit to the consumer? The what problem what, am I solving? Yeah. Problem you know? am I solving? What's my brand benefit? You know, brand X is the brand that provides what benefit to whom, you know, like you just write the sentence and then you write the why. Why should people believe that brand X does that? So that's a process we learn in packaged goods. It's called concept and writing and optimization. In CPG, that's what we learn how to optimize. And there's rounds of research. And then you have to take that brand positioning, you have to make it come to life on your packaging and in your ads. So there's a whole process for that. So there's people like me. So if you don't understand any of that, make sure you partner with someone who's really good at that. Yeah. Like a know, strategic, right? yeah. yeah. Like that's like, you'll you'll see like strategic brand marketing. That's kind of the whole approach to optimize your brand and make it stronger and stronger. And then every dollar you spend to get awareness and trial, you're spending on a stronger and stronger brand. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, it kind of plays into, it all kind of works. Well, thank you again. I just want you to say the name of your new company. Thebetterchocolates.com. And the brand is 4X Better Chocolates, but it's The Better Chocolates on uh, LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and our website. Okay, great. And if people want to get in touch with you or connect with you personally, where's the best way for them to find yeah. you? I answer all my LinkedIn myself. So I'm a little bit overwhelmed with a lot of DMs these days, <laughs> but uh, LinkedIn is the best, best way to find me directly. Personally, you'll get right to me. And she will get back to you eventually, right? Yep. Eventually. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again. And uh, I hope we will chat again soon. And I'm excited to watch this new brand take off and get you on more very exciting lists. Perfect. Thanks for the support. Okay. We'll talk soon. Bye. <laughs> And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like help creating brand awareness for your business, please reach out to me on any of the social platforms under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. I promise you I reply to all my messages. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thank you again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.